Hello, this is Rob with episode 9 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. For this episode, we went up to Duluth. And when I say we, me, Rob, and Jeff Mooney, who is the Folly Coffee uh, green buyer, he does all of our coffee ordering, he does quality assurance, he does all of our tasting, he placed top 15, he placed 14th in the country at U.S. Coffee Tasters Championship last year. So what I'm saying is he is an insane wealth of coffee knowledge. Uh, For this episode, we review his experience with the Q grader exam. The Q grader exam is the coffee industry standard for coffee expertise. I'm not going to say anything more about it because we got like way too in depth about it. His process with this test made my head spin just hearing about it. So if you are at all interested in the Q grader exam or learning how to become a deep industry expert in coffee, Listen to this episode. If you are not, this will probably bore the heck out of you because we go really in depth about what the Q grader exam is like. So enjoy. We are here in technically Proctor, Minnesota at our Airbnb just outside of Duluth for the first annual Folly Coffee uh, business planning meeting. Uh, Yeah, it's me and Jeff. We're up here in Duluth and we figured what better time to go over what Jeff came back from in Portland, which is called the Q Grader Exam. Now, when I explain it to people, I say it's like the sommelier of coffee. It's it's like what you do uh, to become a certified expert in coffee, but that is kind of a stupid way to explain it. So today's podcast is going to be all about Q Grader. What is it, the test taking, the preparation that went into it for Jeff because he did recently learn that he passed his Q Grader exam. So I'm gonna hand it off to Jeff with just the first question of like, what is a Q grader? And like, does Q actually stand for something? Yeah, it stands for quality, like <laughs> quality grader. So cool. <laughs> uh, the Q Arabica certification course, there are different Q courses. So there's one for Q Arabica. So you're certified to grade Arabica coffee. There's also one for Robusta. I didn't know so that. So you do Q Robusta. Who yep. would do that one? A lot of people. I mean, like, there's, I don't know, there's a growing industry for Robusta, but also it's like the main idea of becoming a Q grader is just that you have the ability to accurately assess the quality of coffee to determine its value and also, like, qualities about it. Um, That can be useful information for people you're buying from, people you're selling coffee to or like even just communicating with producers Um, so it's kind of creating a common language all the way across the supply chain right Um, so so when I was in beer there were um, a couple different organizations that kind of qualified individuals to judge or to there's like BJCP which is kind of more like competition style judging there's Cicerone which is more like industry specific in coffee is there anything outside of Q grader, something similar to this that you know of or that people do to become certified or is Q grader kind of uh, like it? Is it the standard? Um, Q grader like is probably the most, is definitely the most reputable one, but there are 
like SCA has their own version. So Q grader is put on SCA specialty copy association. Yeah. Yeah. So the Q courses, um, whether it be Q Robusta, Q Arabica, or they also have Q processing, um, where you learn about coffee processing. Um, those are all through the coffee quality Institute or CQI, which is a separate organization from the specialty coffee association. Um, they take a lot of the same standards that the SCA um, uses for their educational programs, um, but they also have some of their own parameters as well. But SCA has their own course designed for um, sensory analysis, and I think theirs are kind of broken up into a bunch of smaller ones, whereas the Q courses are a little more like comprehensive, all in one. Um, and what are all the different parts of the Q grader? Like, the what are the different types of things you are tested on when it comes to sensory, like a knowledge base? What are the different parts of the test that you had to go through out in Portland? Um, so altogether, there are twenty tests that you have to take. One of them is written test. It's um, called a general knowledge exam. Um, so a lot of that has to do with protocols for cupping um, that are set by the SCA. You have to memorize those and have those straight, but also like um, brewing parameters. Um, you have to know certain things about like solubles yield versus um, solubles concentration. Um, there's some processing components in that basically just like a big overall thing and there's when you say written is it multiple choice is it short paragraph is it long essay how 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 is it set up on the actual test so it's just a multiple choice test there's 100 questions on it Uh, i think you have like an hour to do it Um, but that's that's one test that's the only one that's like that Uh, the rest of them are practical skills exams Um, so the core components of those are, um, so there are a lot of like repeat tests for different kind of coffees. So the four like core ones are um, cupping tests. One is cupping of Central and South American mild coffees. So like, you know, they're not punchy in the face, uh, really wild and out there. They've got kind of like mild acidity, all about like medium body. Um, so there's one for Central South American Milds. There's so when you say African, cupping test, um, for anyone that might be listening, yeah, which would be weird, uh, cupping obviously being the industry standard for tasting coffees, like slurping coffee out of a cupping bowl. So when you say cupping test, is it like a single cup of coffee and you have to describe it? or when you're, So like a South American cupping test, what does that look like in front of you? So the South American cupping test, well, all the, all of the tests are set up these ways. Uh, this same way. So you have six coffees that you're supposed to grade and the test is whether or not you can accurately notate the qualities of those coffees on the SEA score sheet. So on the score sheet there are 10 different categories um, that you have to kind of fill out and assess a coffee on and each of each of the six coffees there are five cups um, so you're looking for things like dry uh, fragrance of the grounds in the cup. Your, the next thing you score is the um, 
fragrance of or the aroma, the wet aroma after you've poured the water it's also over good, the grounds. It's a good band name too. Wet aroma. Wet aroma. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's pretty. What kind of music would that be? Inst- instrumental only. Yeah, for sure. Kind of like proggy or. Uh, yeah. Weird, weird jazzy. <laughs> stuff. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> So that's that's the first Wait, little box. So I'm I'm trying to follow you here. So six coffees, six different types of coffees. Yep. But for each coffee, you've got five cups of each one. Yep. And what's the point of having five cups of each one? Why not just have one or two? Well, later in the score sheet. So I'll go through these just like by bracket, so people get kind of an idea of yeah, what yeah. this what this scoring system looks like. So the first the first box is just um, dry fragrance, wet aroma. The next one is flavor. Um, so you score that on a scale from six to ten. There's aftertaste, same thing, six to ten. That's the next box. Then you have acidity and body. Um, next after that is uniformity, and under that is balance. So uniformity is where those five cups come in handy, because when you're cupping a coffee, um, if you just have one cup of it, you only get like one sample of that coffee. You know, but there can be all kinds of other things in that bag. Like some, not all of the beans are come out perfectly. Mm-hmm. Some of them are damaged in processing. Some of them have defects in them that will affect, you know, one cup out of the five instead of just, instead of like all five. Yeah. With um, higher quality coffees, the uniformity being more uniform. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Ideally you want to taste all five cups of coffee and not notice any difference. Mm -hmm. You want to, you want them all to be the same. So, um, standard, like when you're grading a coffee, you will find that they are typically the same. Um, but you know, different things can happen in processing or, um, defects can happen. So Mm. that's why you kind of, have to have five cups as the standard. probably more prevalent in lower grade coffees or cheaper yeah. coffees yeah but potentially yeah more common that way um but you know naturals because of the difficulty of that processing mm. like there can be uniformity issues in naturals where one cup is like more fruity or it's got more of a fermentation character than some of the other cups that makes sense. but it's not necessarily a bad thing or a defect but you would still want to make note of that and say like okay if someone drinking coffee at home you know is putting 20 grams of coffee into their pot this one day and it tastes like you know pretty good pretty fruity and then the next day it's just like way fruity like you kind of want to know that yeah um because well, that's interesting to think is like Naturally processed coffee being like dried in the sun on these raised beds. I mean, picturing in Ethiopia, like this raised bed, you're literally raking it to, uh, like, I don't know, rotate the beans and make sure they're getting uniform sun and everything. But I mean, manually raking, it it makes sense that naturals would be less consistent. Right. And I mean, they still have the cherry on them when they're doing that. And it takes a long time for them to dry. So you can't necessarily like see the like defects that might be happening um whereas you might be able to pick some of those out in a washed coffee because you're actually looking at the like the seed yeah the bean um so yeah naturals that happens a lot um 
Yeah, so we were at uh, we were at uh, uniformity. Yeah. What was the other one? Balance. Yep, balance. So in balance, you're kind of looking at the coffee as a whole. Like, is anything sticking out a lot? Like, is you know maybe there's a good acidity, but it's like way out of balance with the flavor profile of the coffee. It's just kind of taking over. Um, I like to think of how the acidity and the body fit together. Do they make sense? Um, like, does it feel well-rounded, essentially? Um, and how how good is the, f- like, how much of the flavor, like, stands up to that body? Sometimes you'll get, like, some nice flavor notes, but the body will be a little bit thin, so it kind of just feels hollow, almost. It feels like there's something left there. It's kind of watery. What? So what's... Um... I think a frequent thing I hear from somebody who's like your your Starbucks, your whatever drinker, and they taste like a like a, a, a let's say a V60 pour over style, like really light bodied coffee, where someone like yourself or me, it drinks it and goes, "This is awesome. It's very light bodied." What is the difference between like a light bodied coffee and a coffee that's thin? Um. So the body of a coffee relies on... The the intensity. I love how strongly you consider these questions. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like... Yeah. Well, um, you know, I... Man, I'm not up to snuff on all of my brewing um, uh, knowledge right now. A little bit out of practice. But for body, um, essentially what is creating that mouthfeel are um, like dissolved solids from the coffee in the actual solution of that you're getting at the end, like after the filter and everything. So you're actually, they're like just really tiny pieces of the organic material in the coffee. Um, What makes that, the concentration of that different from a coffee that's watery is like a ratio thing. So that's where it's thin. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. Because yeah. I just had a really crappy coffee that was tasted super thin. And I was like, I, I took a sip. I'm like, this is super thin. I was like, what is it? I, so I guess kind of like watery and thin are kind of synonyms when it comes to coffee brewing, it seems. They can be. I would say like things can have a, a light body. Um like a, a washed Ethiopian can have like really delicate flavor notes and feel really light on the palate. But um, essentially what you're looking for is like the right amount of solubles in the coffee. And so like, in grading the body and the balance and everything, is it kind of a case, case by case basis or would uh, fuller bodied coffees get higher scores? Because that's, that's part of the thing that I struggle with in scoring coffees is things like, and you actually explained this to me uh, a couple weeks ago when we cupped and it made a lot more sense. And so I kind of wanted to get back at that essentially where you get to these components like flavor and balance. And um, if you remember how you explained it to me, it kind of, uh, uh, like, like the light bulb turned on and go, oh, this makes so much more sense now mm. in terms of how that's graded. So how, how do you grade something like body when you can have an amazing top shelf coffee that's really light bodied and tea like, and you can have an amazing top shelf coffee that's like really full bodied and rich, how do those get scored 
how can they both receive a uh, high score if they are radically different bodies and balance? Yeah. Well, this is a, a really great thing about the SCA score sheet. Um, so whatever score sheet you're using is kind of going to skew how you interpret the characteristics of the coffee, depending on what the visual score system is on the actual sheet. So the way the SCA score sheet works is that for both acidity and body and uh, the aromas, fragrance and aroma, um, they have not only a like six to 10 score where you pick a number of quality essentially, um, but under that they have a vertical um, scale where you assess um, intensity. So you can make essentially two notes in one box hmm. in that way. Um, so something can have like really high acidity and you want to make a note of that. And it, after you make that note of, okay, this is really high acidity, then you evaluate, is it a good acidity or not? Like, yeah, that totally like changed the way I even score coffees after just that one cupping yeah. session. So that was a really deep dive into <laughs> the... Uh, cupping portion of the Q greater exam, but I think it's important because uh, a big portion of the test seems to be around scoring and being able to not only uh, score accurately and that your palate is there, how important is the consistency of scores against other Q graders or other people taking the exam? How is that factored into it? Um, so your score, uh, this is this is kind of an interesting test where it's not like solely based around your performance on this test because you have to be within calibration with the rest of your class because the whole goal of like Q courses is to take a bunch of people who are already pretty good at tasting coffee and then get them all on the same page so that they taste coffee in the same way. So that in theory, with you now as a certified Q grader tasting in, uh, in Minnesota, that if you're comparing notes on the same coffee to somebody who's on the West Coast or the East Coast that's also a certified Q grader, that you're calibrated enough that the scores make sense? Yep. And yeah, the whole goal of this course is basically to turn out the same product. Yeah. Take a bunch of uh, you know disparate people in the coffee industry and then essentially turn them into one um, like machine yeah. that, can, <laughs> that can assess coffees the same way. And I get to see this work a couple weeks ago, like this, the first time I cupped with a Q grader outside of my course. Um, he was a producer from Brazil and he brought some of his coffees in um, for me to taste. He had some roasted samples and we kept them together and uh, we compared notes and scores afterwards and we were like right on the money with our with our scores. And that's like, yeah, he's literally in town from Brazil. That's that's crazy to think about that. That I think is like the, the, the the program is so cool that you can have somebody up from Brazil, just in town, a farmer from Brazil in town to cup with you. And you're that dialed in. And to me, it like, you, you all you immediately see the importance because now he goes back down to Brazil. You can compare notes with him, and he can cup his own coffees, and you know that's a legitimate source because he is a Q grader. Also, I want to note that we were packaging that day, and we normally meet at like three thirty, and you're like, I'm gonna be an hour late, and I'm like, what the 
like, okay, like, <laughs> well, what are you doing? And you're like, well, I'm, I'm cupping with a farmer from Brazil, some of his coffees. And I was like, damn, this guy's like, Jeff is scary, legit. <laughs> That's a really good excuse. Uh, but I, I, it really did, like, it was like this moment where you're like, he was a Q grader and we were just dead on. You're like, That's crazy. It's, yeah, it's like this really cool. organization, CQI. CQI can create a platform that around the world people can be calibrated in a way to create a scoring of coffees that uh, it's almost like it's it's really just like credibility that when somebody scores out a coffee because it's not like before this exam you, you score a coffee and people kind of have to take your word on it so it's more credibility than anything but it is amazing that an organization can create such a uniform thing that across the country and the world even that it creates this uniformity and so i, I want to go back because uh you can already see how my uh e e ease of distraction is setting in here so back to the actual exam because we were talking cupping of South American coffees and then launched into 10 minutes of scoring and all this. Yeah. So well, I want to put the, one more thing, thing about the calibration in there. Is that, um, oh man, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> it was super important. Um, so yeah, the whole idea of this test is that you are able to accurately fill out this, um, Okay, so this score sheet, uh, which is not—it's it's not only just coming up with the right number to assign. So each of those ten boxes I was kind of listing off earlier, um, or listed some of them, gets a score. So you're kind of compartmentalizing qualities of the coffee and giving them scores on their individual level, which will come out to an aggregate score at the end, which will give you kind of an overall idea of how good or like what qualities the coffee has. Um, but being, you also have to be able to identify specific qualities about it as well as defects and notate those properly um, because there is a part on the score sheet for like deduction of points for certain defects. Um, and it's difficult to grade those um, properly. And if you don't do it properly and you can, you can end up like penalizing a coffee um, for way and knocking it down like way more points than you need to, which is a bad thing for pretty much everyone. You know, like if you, if you score out a coffee and it comes out, way lower than expected like that has a direct impact on you know somebody's income sometimes it's like spider-man over here yeah, yeah. and great, it's not um, great power yeah that's great responsibility that's what i was referring to yeah oh, okay yeah. all right yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was just gonna trust that uh someone would understand like, that yeah spider-man rob all yeah right. okay oh, yeah totally um that's that's actually that is an interesting point about q grading yeah. That, so I guess this is something I've never really even considered that as we're importing these coffees, or not us, but as we're sourcing these coffees uh, and we see these scores and it's a big part of which samples we choose. It ultimately comes down to us roasting samples and tasting it ourselves. But scores play a big impact on which samples we even choose to try. Who is it that is assigning these scores to these coffees? 
Well, I mean, ideally it is Q graders, like people who have learned to, um, you know, not, well, like tasting is such a, a personal experience, you know, and it's a, it's a difficult thing to communicate. Um, and like CQI has done a great job of obviously creating a platform that kind of like sets personal taste aside for like, um, as objective scoring as I know yeah. can exist well, right that, now. Well, that happened, so like, like, with the, the natural Honduran that we tasted. Like, I love naturals. I'm obsessed with them. Yeah. You, on the, the last month, hate them, and then you'll, I, you'll like yeah. them again next month, whatever. Yeah. But yeah. we're tasting the same <laughs> coffee, and I'm obsessed with it. I'm like, this this might be my favorite coffee we've ever roasted. This natural is like strawberry jam, and you're like, fermentation characteristics make me sick right now. And we landed within, like, two points of each other. Which is yeah. awesome, yeah. Uh, and it's it's cool that, that it can take out the objective part of it. Um, yeah, and that's it. Like that's important when you're. Um, like it's a big deal to have someone trust you to be objective about like, um, especially like from a producer standpoint, like their product that they, you know, put months and years of work into. Yeah, um, you know, it's a pretty a pretty important step in the supply chain that has like an effect on how people perceive that coffee and stuff. So, so now dialing it back, yeah. I feel like we've kind go, of all over the place. Good, good right on now. that. Good yeah, on yeah. that. All right. All right. So, <laughs> so let's go back to the test. So at this point in the test, you've taken the 100 uh, question multiple choice where I think you said you had to get how many, right? Uh, you have to get 75, right? 75 uh, right so out of 100 in an hour. And then you've got the tasting portion where it's the cupping where you've got six different coffees, five each of them. So how does that shake out? So you've got this. Do you do that all at once? Do you have uh, six sets of five cups of six sets of five, essentially? Yeah. Yeah. Is Those are all laid out in front of you? Yeah, that's all on the table at one time. And... Uh, the way it worked in my class, I think there was 15 people in my class, so, and there were three tables doing this at the same time, so you're in a group of about five people. Um, all the coffees are laid out. You kind of agree with each other, like, okay, we're going to smell the dry grounds for this long. We're going to break the crust that forms after you pour the water at this time, and we're going to start tasting at this time. Um so you do that for each of the, there are four tests that are cupping and scoring accurately. And that's the Central America, South American Milds. There's an African table, so six. So that's an entirely new set of six coffees from Africa. Yeah. Whoa. So, um, yeah, African, they're Asian coffees, and then they're... The last one is naturals. Um, So six different coffees from each of those regions. Um, And these are, these are done separately. So, okay. So let's take a step back here. We actually paused because we went down. (laughs) It got, it would have, it would have been boring for you to hear. So (laughs) we we wanted to stop for a second and and, uh, re-strategize. So, this is what we're going to do. Uh, go, so, Jeff, I want you to go over just like 
top line, each portion of the test. So, so far we've, we did a deep dive into the scoring and everything. Definitely have a really good understanding. Uh, but let's go top line each section of the test and then like what each parts of those tests entail. And then really the only questions I'm going to ask you are kind of uh, anything that isn't abundantly obvious of how you might take that test. Cool. And I've got all the tests in front of me here so we can keep this nice and streamlined. So, uh, okay, cupping, we got four of those tests. Um, we'll also have four triangulation tests um, where two are you're presented with three cups. Two of those cups have the same coffee in them. One has a different coffee. So um, one of each of those correlates to the coffees in the regional cuppings. And the goal of that is? Find the, find the odd cup yeah. out of the three. Yep. Um, and are those cups, uh, is it uh, like coffee champ style? Like are they brewed uh, and you're tasting them? Or how do you evaluate the three coffees in the triangulation test? So you treat it like a regular cupping. You don't do it with a score sheet, but um, you would do the same process. So first you would start out with the fragrance of the dry grounds in the cup. Then you would pour the water, assess the wet aroma, and then after that you start tasting. So you get kind of three stages to figure out, okay, which one might be the odd cup. Um, so those are that's triangulations. Um, you also have four olfactory tests. Olfactory uh, being smell. Yep, smelling tests. And they what they use for that is a sensory vial kit, um, or a scent kit that has 36 um, vials of like essential oils and... Um, kind of like distilled scents that represent um, aromas that you would find in roasted coffee. Um, and those are kind of divided into four subcategories. So um, because there are four of those tests, each test is a different subcategory of those 36. So you're dealing with like nine at a time. So what's an example of a subcategory? Um, so I'll just list them out for you. So, uh, the first one is enzymatic byproducts. That was going to be my first guess. Yep. Obviously. <laughs> what the, what's an enzymatic uh, byproduct? So that comes from the, uh, those are typically like present in the coffee's genetics, hmm. right? Like they're, um, you first start smelling them at like early stages, like the earliest stages of roasting. Um, so you're not like developing sugars yet or like caramelizing sugars yet. So it's like, it's the, it's the nature of the bean that you're tasting or smelling is yep. in a sense. Yeah. Okay. So there, there are nine, um, vials in each of these sets. So nine of them, not those nine vials have to do with like the very early stages of roasted coffee. So with your preparation uh, in these, and they say, Hey, this is enzymatic byproduct. Do you in your head have these nine memorized? Like, do you know what you're looking for? Or do they give you a list of what you're looking for? You, you need to have them memorized. So, so going into this, you knew this, that it's like, Hey, we're doing enzymatic byproduct. I know now the okay. nine yeah, these... cents in a row, or really just cents at this point, the nine cents I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, so in theory, someone could go in blind and be like, they'd be like, this is enzymatic byproduct. And they're like, okay, like, I don't know what that means, but still try to smell. But obviously like 
choosing from a Rolodex of nine versus infinite sense. Yeah. Um, you could go in blind. So the way this test works is you have to match. So you're presented with nine vials, right? But the test is to... Um, they have two kits, essentially. So you're looking at two sets of um, vials. The nine original, and then there are six, just six from another set that are unmarked. Um, and they're also numbered, too. So this is, this is kind of difficult to explain. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so... At the base of it, though, you have to match a scent. Uh, to, do you have to smell it and write it down what it is? Or is there a list? Or how is that done? Essentially, this is what you have to do. You have to memorize all of the scents that are in the kit. You have to memorize uh, which of those scents belong to which of the four categories. And you have to memorize the numbers of the vials. Uh, and so, like, if you're studying for enzymatic byproducts, you need to know, like, uh, okay, I'm looking at this set of numbers, and they're not in order. So it's like, uh, man, I wish I had these memorized right now, like, <laughs> to to tell you. But um, and anyone who thinks this is easy, blindfold yourself. Have someone put things in front of your nose. It is so hard yeah. to know what smells are. It's something that you think you know, but you don't realize how much your senses all work together to yeah. smell things, to sense things. You you see something, it can affect what you're tasting and smelling. And because I, I did the, this vial test like a year ago where I was like, oh man, I'm going to nail this. Like I, I've, I'm literally trained in smelling and tasting from the beer world and I just flopped miserably. Yeah. And it's something that seems like I know what I smell. I encourage anybody to even just at home blindfold yourself and tell somebody to bring you things to smell and it's it's insanely hard and so not only the memorization aspect which is next level but the base of this test is so underratedly difficult yeah and the difficult part of it is like you know smell like taste well i mean smell is mostly taste but it you're learning someone else's language for what these scents are and what they represent so the reason that this one kit, it's called the Lene Sensory Kit, I think. I'm pretty sure that's the official name. Sounds it's definitely Lene. But um, they made one for wine originally, and then they made one for coffee. So this, the point of using this one kit for all Q courses is, to, is so that everyone has the same reference point for what these scents are uh, because you can memorize all the scents you want like you can smell the apricot in your home um, but you know different circumstances are going to make that ap specific apricot smell different from the it's sensory the vial in apricot. the kit yeah that's insane yeah okay so olfactory test what's after that um well, I want to explain the rest of that <laughs> test. So, essentially, you have a, you have the nine vials that I'm are. I'm getting stressed out just this, hearing about it. Man. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah, and there's four of these. So, you have the nine vials that are that belong to that subcategory. That subcategory, um, and then you have six blind vials. So they're totally covered up. You can't tell what they are. You can't see the number on them. They're given a letter code that you have to match to the number of the corresponding vial. So six of them are going to be the same 
Uh, and then there are just three that are that don't have a match. And then, um, so you have to pair them all correctly, or pair the six that have a pair correctly. And then at the bottom of the test, there are three blank spots where they say, okay, this letter, let's say like they give it V, you have to find V, W, and X. Um, so those are three of the vials. You have to smell them and you have to say which scent they are by name. <laughs> so yeah, you have to have the number of the vial memorized, the name of the scent memorized, and you have to be able to like uh, pair them together with a separate kit. Yeah, and you don't, uh, and you can't have a panic attack while it's happening. Yeah, because I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm almost. Yeah, I mean, you're now. also like sharing it with four, four or five other people who are like taking the same test at the same time. At the same time, yeah. So you're all sharing this during the same time of taking this test, like passing. Man. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, is there any more to the olfactory test? Uh, that's all. That's that's that's, that's it. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> um, but you do it four times with the different groups. Four different subcategories. Uh, yeah, which are enzymatic byproducts. The second one is um, sugar browning byproducts. So in the caramelization phase of roasting, um, aromatic compounds that come as a result of caramelization in roasted coffee. Then there's dry distillation, which is like um, aromatic compounds that come from the burning of bean fibers or like pyrolysis of the bean fibers in roasting. And then there's aromatic taints, which come from like outside of the coffee. Um, I'd also like to note that this is not being read from a list. We have intense eye contact. What he just listed <laughs> yeah. off to me, <laughs> blowing my mind yeah. right now. And so, like nine nine cents within each of those. Yeah, that's okay. So so far, this test seems super easy. What's the next one? Okay, so uh, after you just hop, skip, and a jump over those four. Um, let's see here. There is the matching pairs test. So this is identifying organic acids present in coffee, but it's kind of done in a weird way where you're not, um, given coffees that showcase these acids. They have just the actual, um, like compound. Yeah. The actual acid. So, uh, you're dealing with phosphoric acid, citric acid, malic acid, and um, what was the last one we used? There's several more that are, I think there's like six or seven altogether, but you, you only are tested on four. Um, what was the last one? It's okay, you just won't be able to sleep tonight. Yeah, I won't, yeah. But, um, so the way this test works is the four acids, um, they're, okay. You're this so rattled, you can't of, think of the last kind one. Of <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, it's kind of embarrassing right now. <laughs> uh, but the way this test works is, is very strange. So on the table, uh, they have to make a really big table for this. So there are 16 stations. In each station, there are four cups. In each of those four cups is a weekly brewed coffee, a just like mild, unmemorable coffee that is diluted with water in all four of them. And then two of those four cups are spiked with the same 
organic acid. So let's say it's citric acid. Two of those cups, any two, have citric acid in them for this station. You have to identify which two cups have the acid in them. And then you have to name what that acid is. So essentially, this 16 times, let's see, I gotta do some math here. 64. Okay, so you're tasting 64 cups of like diluted coffee. You have to find. Sounds like a, sounds like a delightful time. Yeah, you have to find 32 that have acid in them. And then in each set, you have to say which of those, which acid it is. Um, Whoa. And, yeah. and you're doing this all at once. Yeah. How, how do you deal with palate fatigue? Because that's an insane amount of tasting anything 64 times. It's like inconceivable when you think of it being coffee too. I assume obviously you're like spitting it out when you're tasting it at this point. But how do you, is there any way to deal with palate fatigue or is it something that you just have to kind of learn and deal with practice? Um, I don't think it ever really gets, I don't think you can build up like a tolerance. Maybe, maybe you can just to like inattention. A lot of it's like mental, but uh, I mean, these are weak, weakly brewed and then diluted with water. Okay. So it's like really not intense. So, um, so like, it, it's, how apparent is something like citric acid in one of these weakly brewed diluted cups? I would say I didn't have trouble. I, I didn't have any trouble identifying which cups had acid in them. Uh, it was difficult to discern like the modality of. Mm of the acid which you have to get all so there's a threshold for passing on this test it's i mean you can taste these acids on their own separately and they're pretty different like you can if you're presented with just four straight up acids you can taste the difference it's like a fish like, concert really what what nothing okay. no keep going <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay uh you can taste the difference pretty well but not like in this test, it's inc it's incredibly difficult to figure out which one is which. Dude. So, uh, in order to pass the first part piece of the test, you have to identify all the cups correctly. Like that's not negotiable. You have to get them all. All sixty-four. You have to identify which ones have acid. Okay. One hundred percent. Of the acids, of like identifying the modality of the acid. So now 32 cups. Yeah, you have to get like a pretty, a relatively low number correct. Okay. I think, <laughs> excuse me, um, that's delicious beer. Um, <laughs> you have, I think you only have to get like four correct because it's really hard. It's that <laughs> hard? It's really hard. That's insane. Yeah, well like phosphoric acid, for instance, is like not... A thing that you taste it's like a sensation so like they there's phosphoric acid in like coke you know it gives you like that bubbly feeling in your mouth but it's not carbonated on top so of you're that. sitting so here tasting and smelling and going am i tasting and smelling this or am i feeling it yeah it, it's kind of got <laughs> like a sparkling feel to it 
But like citric acid, you know, is kind of like okay, citrus fruit, yeah. like a lemon. It's a little bit that sour one's very and easy puffing, to like conceive. But malic acid is like kind of similar. If you're not, it, citric acid is like a little more intense. That's the way I identified it over malic. But and like malic has a little more like sweetness to it, kind of. Yeah, that's what I've always said. But, um, and so the yeah. 64, this, again, uh, seems super easy. So like at this point, pretty easy test. What's the next part? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm like getting stressed out over here. Okay. Uh, this one is the most difficult. I'm glad I didn't know so, all these things before you took it. Right? Like, dude, I, you see why I was so nervous? Yeah. No, like I'm, I'm glad I didn't know all these I was like, yeah, Jeff seems to be working really, really hard at this. <laughs> this is, yeah. Okay. So then is the sensory skills exam. So this is solely tasting or testing the papillas on your tongue and their receptivity to um, solely taste sensations. So what that means is like sweet, salty, sour, and bitter are the only, I mean, you could have like savory in there, but I'm not. Yeah, mommy. Uh, but that's that's not in there. So the way they do this is you drink water um, with that is either spiked with citric acid for sour, sugar for sweet, um, salt for salt. Salty. That makes, that makes sense. It does make sense, yeah. Um, Strong. And uh, there's no bitter one. So it, they're not testing that. Um, so the first round of this test is um, to identify the intensities. So you're presented with nine cups of what looks like water, you know, um, of these solutions. There is There are three sweet um, in the intensities of low, medium, and high. Do you know they're sweet at this point? They tell you these are three sweet cups? Um, I mean, they do like a walkthrough for one of them, you know, that just like initially it's like, so I'm just trying to visualize the table in front of you. Is it three cups or is it? Nope. Uh, so you're presented with nine, like straight out the gate and they're in like a grid on a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, and they're all numbered. So you have to, um, put the numbers by the right, uh, you know, they give you the sheet that's like. Okay, sweet, low, medium, high. Which numbers are they? Um, and you know they're all mixed up. So you have to do sweet, low, medium, and high. Low, medium, high. Salty, low, medium, high. Sour, low, medium, high. You have to put them in order. Uh, low, medium, high. Low, medium, high. Low, medium, high. Um, which is not that difficult. Like you can taste water with it, with salt in it, and be like, okay, that's salt. Yeah, and that's not you know, sugar. It's not sugar. Yeah, it's not sweet. Um, the next round is incredibly difficult, where they blend them, and you have to identify which qualities are present. Are present. Um, so let's say they blend the medium sweet and the medium salty, and so you have to taste that cup and you say, okay, this is medium sweet and medium salty. Um, so four of those cups are a solution of two 
and four are a solution of a mixture of three of them. So for the three, you have to taste them and say, okay, this is the low sweet, the medium salty, and the low sour. Right? They could be in any order. Um, and there's no like process of elimination either. Uh, each one is used like once, but you can't just like check them off a list and say like, because because it's three different factors in every single cup four cups Ugh. four of them are two uh, so it, that's another part that makes it difficult is you have to identify the ones that are only two and the ones that are three mm. uh, which is really difficult because the low ones I don't know this all sounds really easy the low <laughs> the low intensity ones are like kind of difficult to detect especially if they're up against like the medium and high of um, Man. Yeah, the of like the other two modalities. So what counts? Modalities is such a good word too. <laughs> yeah, that's what they say. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that one is insanely difficult because you don't have any olfactory cues on that. This is, is that the one that you were like, explaining to me? Is that the one that everybody got real tripped up on, or is that a different one? Uh, a lot of people got really tripped up on this. Yeah. So, so how many? Because uh, you said you have multiple attempts at each of them. Um, so the way that this works is like the so, course. So is, I, I should preface: How long were you in Portland? I was in Portland for a week. So the course was six felt like days. a month because I had to take over all deliveries <laughs> and everything that sucked. Yeah. But so it's a week. Yeah, the course is six days itself. You show up um, six days. Three of those days are preparation for the test uh, where you get like essentially one practice go at each of these tests with like an explanation of why you're being tested on this um, what this test will help you do in relation to coffee and um, yeah just kind of expose you to it Uh, and this is a new thing they didn't used to do that like a lot of yeah, then old school Q graders <laughs> yeah, would just show up and it's just bam, twenty tests. And you just like do it. And there's not there wasn't really much information about what the tests were. And with the difficulty of these tests and the expense of the course, it's uh Yeah, it, that sounds pretty unreasonable. Yeah, nobody wants to put themselves <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. So um yeah, that you get three days of prep and then um, you're tested a certain amount of tests on, let's, so Thursday is when the test started. Uh, so I'll read you the schedule here. Thursday, day one of testing. Uh, in the morning, we did the first cupping of Central South American Milds. The next was two olfactory tests, so you would do two of the four um, groups. The next, those are the vials. Those are the vials. Yeah. Um, then after that was the triangulation of the Central South American milds. Then you then we had the Africa, African coffees cupping in the afternoon. And then the triangulation of um, African coffees after that. Then after that was the matching pairs test. That's the organic acids one uh, or two, three. I think that's three tests altogether is the matching pairs one. Um, then on Friday, we had the sensory skills exam. That's the sweet, salty, sour. 
Um, then after that, we had the roast ID test. This is the one that like everyone in the class except one person failed the first time. Um, so what the roast ID test is, is um, identifying the appropriate sample roast based on SCA standards. Um, so you're given, this is a triangulation as well. In each set, you're given six sets of three coffees. In each set, two of the coffees are the same, one is different. Uh, in all of the sets, there is one example of the ideal sample roast. It could be either the two cups or it could be the one odd cup out. And then the other cups in those sets are defect roasts. So you've got one that was roasted too long, it's too dark. Um, you've got one that was too light and you've got one that was baked. So it was, that one was roasted like too long and it's flat, um, but it's not too dark. It's roasted to the correct level, but it was just too long. Hmm. Um, so that, that one was insanely difficult because the differences between those coffees is really hard to pick out especially when you don't know like you have you don't only have to identify the odd cup out you have to say what it is um which and, is and so roast id is the last of, of the tests no that's the second test on friday uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, but out of the ones we've spoken of is that the last one we, is that the last one we haven't um no there are a couple more oh, so, but those ones aren't as hard. That's the what, last of the really hard ones. What are the last two ones? The last two are green coffee um, classification. So, uh, you're essentially looking at green a sample of green coffee. What is green coffee? 350 grams, unroasted coffee. Um, I, and I, knew, I knew that, uh, yeah. by the way. <laughs> and you have to pick out all the defects and then score those correctly mm. on a green coffee grading sheet. Um so you can tell a lot about green coffee just by looking at a certain sample size. That one's kind of like you either know it or you don't. Uh, there are a lot of different things that you need to know for it. So like, for instance, there are beans that you can tell are damaged in processing or damaged from improper grow, growing things or... But that's, that's the easy one. <laughs> it is. Yeah, that one's open, that one's open book and there are uh, pictures that you can look at to like reference that's things. where I would thrive if you can use pictures yeah no. yeah and you can yeah. so good that's great and then you just have to score it correctly um, and yeah that's essentially you're looking at it and saying like after you pick out all of the defective beans you identify what they are and then you translate that into a score on uh, like we use an SEA green grading score sheet for this that will say like, is this specialty? Is this an allowable amount of defects, or is it not specialty coffee? Yeah. So, like you said, super easy. What's yeah. the last super easy one? Uh, roast, um, roasted coffee grading. So you're just picking out Quakers. Like what's real, it? Um, Quaker is like a really light. Not the oatmeal. No. Okay. No, not the oatmeal. Um, <laughs> you're just picking out really light beans um, and these are essentially like 
under developed. I mean, so why does it? Why does a Quaker occur during roast? Uh, it's because the bean doesn't have. Um, it's not fully developed, like from the uh, growing side of things. It's not. It's not a roast defect. It's like a hmm. green coffee thing that you can't identify. So like it's it's probably like underripe or. Uh, it was. Like the coffee was picked underripe, or uh, there was a processing defect or something, and yeah, um, they they make your coffee taste like a little bit um, popcorn, like dusty or yeah. grainy. Yeah, or like something. that. Like yeah, that, uh, yeah. yeah. All right. so, but that's basically just like looking at colors and being like, this one's light, so I'm gonna, so you pick it out. I think I could do those too, maybe. Yeah, that one's easy. So on Friday, we started out with the sensory skills exam. That was the sweet, salty, sour test. Then we went to the roast ID test. That's the triangulation of different roasts, uh, sample roasts. Then we did the naturals cupping. Um, so that was six sets of five cups of naturals. Then we did the naturals triangulation. After that, uh, did the other two olfactory tests with the smelling vials and then we did green coffee classification after that and then roasted coffee um, classification after that then on Saturday we took the general knowledge exam and we did the Asia cupping and then we did the Asia coffee triangulation and then that was probably finished that up at like 11 maybe and then you had the rest of the day to do retakes on any test that you failed throughout the week um which is is pretty difficult and stressful because this is like your last chance to pass this test and you have to pass all of these tests to like get certified in that week you do have a a pretty significant period of time after the course is over to complete whichever tests that you missed i think it's 18 months so you got plenty of time to get them taken care of but you know if you're in like my position you gotta fly to a coast to like go to a certified course and then take that test at a course and then you just have to take that one test but you know um and then the instructors have to like set up all of these tests again for pretty much everyone to take or you know people who failed tests to take like in the space of an afternoon which took like two and a half days to complete before. Uh, yeah. So that <laughs> fortunately the only test that I had to retake was the roast ID one. Um, so all the other ones you pass on the first time, yeah. the roast ID, only one person passes it the first time. Yeah. Second round, a couple more. And then the third round. So you're into your last attempt mm -hmm. at a test to pass the whole thing and you end up passing it. Here are my key takeaways. First of all, we're at 58 minutes. This yeah. is, so when Jeff and I started this, yeah, <laughs> we, we could, you know, I'll do a little, uh, a little quick, intro to this. Like, a, yeah, just like, uh, I'll put a nice bow on it before we even start. And we'll just, here are my key takeaways. First of all, I'm like, who's going to listen to this? What are we even doing here? Why are we talking about this? And I'm like, wait a second. The type of person who might be insane enough to want to take the Q grader exam, like yourself. Because we started talking about this 
early 2019, like January, when we're looking at the year, being like, what are our goals? Yeah. Or wherever that was, whatever time that was. Mm-hmm. And like Q grader, that's number one on my list. It's what I want to accomplish. Someone who's as fanatic as you is going to absorb anything they can find. So yeah. <laughs> one thing about Q grade is it's kind of hard to find resources. So that's part of why I wanted to do this. And so I will go on a limb and say someone who's as fanatic as you or more in trying to pass their Q grader, this I think will be a value because it's like you can't go too in depth about something as intense as this. And then my other takeaway is like I'm stressed out just listening. I, like you had explained all this stuff to me. Like we're packaging and roasting and we're working together every week and you're kind of filling me in on working on this this week. I'm studying this. So this test I think is going to be really challenging and like, you know how I am. I'm thinking about 10 other things. It's like, oh yeah, we got this going on. It's like, oh, that's going to be really tough, dude. Like lots of respect, this and that. And um, this is really the first time we've gone in depth about each of them. and. Yeah. It's, it's, it's even just garnered more respect for everything in this process. It's awesome, man. And yeah, we didn't even talk about how I practiced for these. No. <laughs> that's, and I, let's not do that because we're yeah. at an hour now. But the, the, um, yeah, I would, just, I would say hopefully this is a resource for someone who's interested in QGrader. That's really the point of why we wanted to do this today. We did not intend for it to be this long. But I think it just shows how intense this exam is. And how intentional you have to be in approaching it. It's not something that you can just walk in. And I think it's something that you hear a lot in the industry is that, oh, I'm a Q grader. And you're like, okay, that's cool. Like, good at tasting coffee is fine. And then you hear what it is and you're like, whoa, okay, no, I really need to respect the score. And so if you have questions, again, this is, we're recording this. We're going to launch the podcast officially in two days from now. So we have no idea what this will be. But if you have questions, seriously, just reach out through the website. We're more than happy to answer any questions or resources to direct you to anywhere. And that's hopefully what this becomes. That would be like the best case scenario. Um, yeah. And dip, I would love to help you. <laughs> and one thing I really want to stress is that I did not do this alone. I had a lot of people help me practice for this. And I think... Yeah, who, who are your shout-outs right now off the top of your head? I want to shout-out to Derek DeLapaz at um, Mill City Roasters because he spent a lot of time with me um, helping me for the olfactory tests um, out of his already super busy work schedule. And Steve Green for letting him do that, uh, owner of Mill City Roasters. Um, I would also like to thank Bryant at Dogwood Coffee for letting me use some of his resources and uh, Aaron at Dogwood who studied with me and took the course with me but most importantly Rob (laughs) of uh, Folly Coffee Roasters for pushing me through this course and um, obviously providing me the means to take it and that's how I wanted to end the episode because I said if you didn't thank me then this whole thing was done so I thought about not but yeah it's true yeah <laughs> I, I, I definitely wouldn't thank me no man it's, it's, this is crazy we're at an hour and two minutes man um let's go eat some barbecue let's okay. go look at 2020 let's go plan our future trips endeavors and what people are going to see from folly in 2020 that's why we're here in Duluth so let's do it man dude <laughs> nuts uh I guess I end this like any other podcast and have a great day